Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that whatever is you, of, of, of you and from you this morning would, would stick to our hearts and our minds and whatever is of me would fall away. We just pray you'd open our hearts to your word in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is uh, the last Sunday in our uh, One Kingdom Disciple series that we've been doing since January. And, and if you missed any of those messages, I really encourage you and ask you to go back and listen to those over, just invest the time to do so by going to eaglemont.church and click on the previous Sunday gatherings button. Uh, as, your, as your pastor, I, I ask you to do that uh, and humbly ask you to do that because I, I am absolutely convinced that God leads us as a church as he does any church that is open to his word and his leading of his spirit, that week by week in the teaching from God's word, he is leading Eaglemont in a specific way. And, and that is, uh, is important in our collective journey as, as a church family. And so I encourage you to do that, to catch up on those messages that you may have missed in this uh, really important uh, series. And friend, if you're not a Christ follower, maybe you're connecting in online and you, you're, you're exploring, I, I just want to say, way to go for that. That's so great. I, I commend you for your courage to, uh, to, to, to search important answers. There's nothing more important that you can be searching answers for than who Jesus is and, and his teachings and, and what he has to say about our lives. Uh, so we want to help you in that, in that journey, in that search. In this series, we've stressed that Jesus' focus is not merely on the uh, initial uh, accepting of Jesus Christ into our lives as Lord and Savior, but, but on the ongoing development of a relationship that involves obedience from us, surrender of our lives, commitment to everything that He says and to Him as our Lord. That's the only path that that truly establishes this one kingdom life, as opposed to many times we live with other kingdoms, competing kingdoms in our life, where we haven't yet allowed Jesus in to lead and to transform. And Jesus' desire, of course, by his words that we've been looking at in these weeks, is that we live a one kingdom life with Jesus as our, as our king and leader. And that's the heart and desire of so many of you. I know that, and I see that evidenced in your life. It's inspiring. And so once we surrender our lives to Jesus, there are practices that hopefully become habits which take us into a deepening relationship with him. So let's dive in. Spiritual habits of a growing disciple. And uh, students, here, listen. I, I, I love you guys. And and, and the best time to establish these habits is at this stage in your life. These spiritual disciplines, these spiritual habits will, will set you up for a rich and rewarding future in following Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can pay extra money? Some of you have these, what I'm going to refer to. You can pay extra money to get jeans that have ready-made holes in them to make them look old. How many are wearing those this morning? Hey, Allie. Hey. To look, you know, those jeans, you want them to look mature, maybe is the word. I, I sound old for pointing that out. One of these days, you just might see me up here with those on. Not sure. What did I just, did I just diss those that, no, I think they're cool. I do. I just, I, I'm too old to wear them, I think. Anyway, 
Did you also know that you can buy spray-on mud? So it looks like you were 4 by 4 you know, you were off-road in your 4 by 4 when you really weren't. Seriously, that's a product. I learned that recently. That's crazy. Huh. Yeah, wow. It's, it, it, you know, a couple of silly examples of shortcuts to a desired, dare I say, image destination. <laughs> no diss. But, but the point here is, in regards to what we're talking about, there's, there's no shortcuts to a mature and growing and vibrant, committed relationship and walk with Jesus Christ. There just are no shortcuts to genuine maturity in Christ in cultivating greater intimacy in our relationship with God. There are many books and seminars about the habits that lead to excellence in a particular skill or to success in some aspect of life or business, and you've read some of them. In his best-selling book, uh, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, Tom Corley talks about people who've been successful and become wealthy, and, and he shares his findings about the habits that most of these people have in common, and, and there are a good number of those. I also came across an article from Harvard Business Review entitled, The Busier You Are, The More You Need quiet time. Hard to get. But as, as many of you know, quiet time is a, a phrase that over years Christians have used to be uh, referring to refer to the time when we set aside, yes, we're always with God, we can always talk to God, and we should pray without ceasing, right? But that time where we just dedicate to be in His Word and to talk to Him in prayer is so vital. Quiet time. It's interesting to see that in the Harvard Business Review, defined no doubt a little differently. But that book title, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, is also a true statement as it relates to the spiritual habits that can transform the life of a Christ follower. And today we're going to talk about three, Bible engagement, prayer, and solitude. Probably no surprise. Other examples are things like fasting, uh, simplicity, the regular gathering of the believers, service, uh, and there's many more. And on that topic, I recommend uh, a great, a classic book, really, by Richard J. Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. And just a, just a great book if you want to delve into uh, exploring spiritual disciplines. And Richard J. Foster, he, uh, you know, we, we must lot, we think of this word discipline as probably negative connotations in some ways in our minds. Richard J. Foster, in, uh, in this book, he makes the point, he says, the purpose of the disciplines is liberation from the stifling slavery to self-interest and fear. He calls these disciplines that he unpacks in detail here, uh, the doorway to freedom. So we, we, we need not think in negative ways about this word discipline as it's used in this context. The doorway to freedom, I like that. Uh, these disciplines are part of the spiritual training that the Apostle Paul referred to in his New Testament letter to Pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the one to come. So that's what we're talking about. 
Just like there are exercises that bring physical benefits, there are also habits and, and, and disciplines, uh, exercises spiritually, if you will, that help us become stronger in our walk with Christ. And these are the, the three we're, talk, we're talking about today. First of all, Bible engagement. You're not surprised if you know me to hear me say that. And, and you know, as we open God's Word, we can absolutely be confident that it is historically reliable, it is, it is accurate, it is verifiably true. It really is. And it's all of those things, and it's also life-giving because it points to the one who gives us life that is truly life, as Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 6.19. And Jesus himself, speaking to the religious leaders in John 5, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, he said. In other words, the written word, the Bible, leads to, it's not, it's not just, you know, ticking it off our list. No, the, the word, the written word of God leads to the living word, Jesus Christ, in whom is life. And engaging with God's word with an open heart sets us up to get to know Jesus better. And, and along the way, we gain God's perspective and understanding in all aspects of life. I mean, imagine being equipped to be a better and God-honoring parent or spouse. Imagine uh, uh, handling your finances in, in God's way, and He's got a way to handle finances. And, and, and imagine handling your finances in God's way so that you're able to be generous, like so many of you want to be. Imagine being able to more clearly discern the, the whisper and the direction of the Holy Spirit in your daily life. All of this and more uh, woven into the fabric of who we are through consistent engagement in God's Word. So, th three aspects of Bible engagement really quickly. Reading, obviously. We can't delve into memorization or meditation, biblical meditation, without commitment to reading first. And if you need a suggestion, you can go to eaglemont.info, and under the resources tab, there's a Bible engagement plan that we're doing together as a church, and you can jump in on that anytime. Uh, then there's, then there's um, Bible meditation. An important point of distinction. God talked about true meditation way back in the Old Testament uh, and, and that it is a filling of our mind with God's truth as opposed to the meditation of Eastern religions uh, that, that are, are about emptying our mind, which leaves one in a spiritually vulnerable position, actually. It's a very important distinction. We don't have to fear the word meditation. God had the original definition of what it is. Bible meditation is, is, is simply prayerfully pondering a verse or a, a phrase, even maybe a word at times of Scripture and considering how God wants us to apply it to our lives. And, and the discipline of journaling actually can help. Some of you do that. Some of you, that seems a little odd. I don't know. But in, encourage you to explore journaling in terms of, you know, doing it together with biblical meditation. It's really just a fancy name for, for writing down our thoughts about what God may be saying to us from a certain passage or verse or phrase of Scripture. Writing it down helps to solidify it in, I, I find that anyway, helps to solidify what God is saying uh, to me in my heart and life. And, and Bible meditation can be separate from your regular reading plan, or you can do it together. You can have your reading plan, and then you can do Bible, mem uh, Bible meditation at a, at a slower pace, or as you're reading, you're, you're selecting 
uh, one, one thing from your reading that kind of jumps out at you and, you and you journal about that and how to apply that to your life. Um, or uh, another idea might be to start in the book of James, such a, such a practical book where you just read until there's something that jumps out at you, asking the Holy Spirit to, to, to be the one that, that make, Holy Spirit, make whatever verse or phrase that you want to pop for me today, uh, make that happen. And, and sometimes that'll come really strongly. Other times, not so much. And, and it'll be a little bit more of a, of, a, of a grind even, if I can say that. And that's okay. Just, just, just keep at it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, meditation. Again, it's, it's stopping there and rereading and prayerfully rereading and pondering your life in comparison to what you're reading and, and, and beginning to write, this is where the journaling comes in, begin to write your thoughts, things that come to mind, things that you, you, you've asked the Holy Spirit to make clear to you from his word, and, and you've asked the Holy Spirit, you've told him you want to apply his word to your life. Oh, how can I apply this? What do I need to change in my life about, uh, about how I order my priorities in light of what I'm reading here, or whatever it is? But you begin to reflect, you begin to think, you begin to ruminate and ponder. The illustration has been used of a, of a cow with four stomachs chewing its cud, and up it comes again, and, and you know, um, it, it's kind of the idea. Chewing on the Word of God, as graphic as that may sound. We're tight for time, so if you want to talk more about that, I'd love to, to chat with you about Bible meditation. Uh, then there's memorization. I touched on this February 21st in our message, shared four action steps for Bible memory. If you missed it again, I encourage you to listen to that message. Uh, near the end, I touched on those four steps. One of the pastors in the church renewal mentoring group that I'm in with pastors from all over Canada, there's about 14 of us in, in this group, he, he, he recently in, uh, referred to something his 80-year-old dad said, who has been uh, memorizing scripture all his life pretty much. And, and, uh, but his dad recently said to my friend on, in my mentoring group, his son, he said this, I found scripture memory to be a gateway into the presence of God. He said, and this guy that was sharing about his dad's comment is a pastor and, and uh, just a, a faithful man of God, and he just, I, I, never, I never thought of it that way. And I... I kind of relate to that. I don't know if I've really thought about it, but it's true. We, we often think the presence of God is in the, the sung worship or, or you know, maybe you're, for you it's out in nature or what, but Bible memory, a gateway, it, and I believe it. And as I look back, I've seen that in my life, gate, a gateway, a gateway to God's presence. It's beautiful. It's a helpful way to view Bible memory because it, it really is something that brings life, God's powerful presence. Former pastor and author Chuck Swindle wrote this. He says, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding than memorizing Scripture. No other exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert. Your confidence will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. Wow, that's quite a list. I want that. Many of you do. And these changes will happen because Bible memory, again, it's not just a habit to, to tick off your list. No, it's an active way to work with God on, on, on what we fill our minds with. And that's vital because it's that that shapes our attitudes and our behavior and dials us in deeper to the presence of God who is always with us. David in Psalm 16 said, I keep the Lord always before me. 
How can we consistently live with God always at the forefront of our minds, you know, guiding our thinking and directing our choices and reactions and all of that? Bible memorization is a primary way to make that a reality in our lives. So, Bible engagement leads to spiritual stability if we recognize it as the way to know Jesus better. A Christian friend of mine who, during his battle with ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, some years ago wrote this. I haven't had any fear, doubt, or anger since I learned I have ALS. I have perfect peace. And that's because of three things he wrote. Hope in the future, heaven. He knew where he was going because of the grace of Jesus. Faith in God. And thirdly, the Bible, which I got my hope and faith from. It comes from being in the book he wrote. And I know that was his testimony right up to the end when he passed away some years ago. And, and some of you will remember when I sat up here with him and he was a bit hard to understand because his speech was already affected at that time when he came and he shared his story. That was his, that was his testimony. If that was me, I, I sometimes think, how, how would Marlo respond to trouble like that? I, I want... He's, my friend Herb is, in, is an inspiration to me. Secondly, prayer. Jesus is our great example throughout the Gospels in this area of prayer. Luke 6, 12, he says, uh, it says, he went out to the mountain to pray, continued all night. The next day he had the big decision of who would be his disciples, right? Prayer before big decisions. All night prayer, Jesus did. Luke 9, 18 refers to Jesus praying alone. Luke 5, 16 says that Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. In the Gospels, though, we do see that even Jesus found it difficult to find time to pray. I won't ask for your hand, but I'm going to put... Sometimes, that's it. That's it. Oh, it's tough to do sometimes, certain seasons. But he continued to make it a priority, and so how much more should we? And, and please don't think of prayer as complicated. It's simply talking to God. Sure, it can, be, it can be challenging for a number of reasons. You know, whether it's talking to someone I can't see. My mind wanders. Come on. My mind wanders when I'm talking to someone I do see, right? So that can be a thing sometimes, right? Or, or maybe, maybe in prayer, we sometimes hear God say to us things like, you need to forgive that person that really hurt you. Oh, we don't want to hear that. And so we pull away and we don't pray because we know what we'll hear. <laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes we think that, well, what difference is prayer really making? So, so yes, prayer can be challenging, but don't complicate it by thinking that you have to pray just the right words. God's not assessing your verbiage because he sees what's in here. Does that make sense? Isn't that good? Just say what's on your heart. And, and, and don't be afraid to be honest with God. He's big enough to handle that. Just don't let it take you to the place of parking in bitterness. You know what I mean? Right? But you could be honest. David was. You read the Psalms. Talk to your heavenly father as your closest and most caring friend because he is that. He is. Some of you listening at home right now, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. He's your closest Friend, acknowledge that and begin to talk to him as if he were. That's prayer. That's prayer. Now, I want to give you a simple acrostic with the letters P-R-A-Y. Guess what it spells? Pray. Yeah, silly. Um, 
P-R-A-Y. That, that might help you in some of your prayer times. And, and remember, even, even Jesus' disciples said, what, what did they say? They came to Jesus, teach us to pray. I mean, we're all growing and learning in this, myself included. But here's a little a tool maybe uh, that, that could, could help you. Maybe, maybe it's taking for the, next, for the next month, five days a week, take one to two minutes in each of these four areas in your time of prayer. And, and you need to write these down. If you miss it, you can uh, email me and, and I'll, I'll, I'll get this to you. It's a, just a practical little thing. Pray acrostic. P, first of all, praise. Praise and thanksgiving are very similar. So just begin as you come to God in prayer. Begin by thanking God for the things that he's done in your life. Thank him for his provision for you. Thank, you, thank him for uh, who he is in his character. Maybe, maybe those five days of the week you think about different aspects of his character. Maybe the first day is thinking and pondering and expressing thanks to God for his faithfulness. And you begin to think about the times he's been faithful. Maybe the next day, it's thanking God for his amazing grace. And then the next day, his wisdom. And then the next day, his greatness. Whatever it is, character, praise. Take time to praise. And then R is repent. Repentance is, you know, uh, simply turning around, going the opposite direction, away from our selfish and destructive choices, acknowledging that our sin is an affront to a holy God. And that it, that it harms us and harms others. And so we confess our sin and in repentance we are forgiven completely. And then we can keep growing in holiness of character and spiritual stability. P for praise, R for repent, A for ask. Of course prayer is asking. Take time to ask God in faith for what you need, for his wisdom, for his provision, for that job, for uh, guidance in a relationship, uh, whatever it is, for physical healing that you need, for direction, for the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak and draw people you love who don't yet know him to, to, to speak to their hearts. Your, your loving Heavenly Father wants you to ask. He, he loves giving good gifts, the Bible says to his children. P, praise, R, repent, A, ask, Why? Yield, yield, where, this is, this is where we commit everything to God's will. Is that tough to do sometimes? Does that scare you sometimes, to imagine what is God's will? But the very best thing we can do is yield and, and acknowledge that how and when he answers our prayer is best. And so it, it's, it's just so worth developing the habit of posturing our minds and hearts to fully trust in God's wisdom and timing in everything and for everything. It really is. Paul wrestled through this in 2 Corinthians 12. You can read about it on your own. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. We need to move on. Solitude. Solitude. I think it's safe to say that many people in our culture are afraid of being alone. It can drive us toward noise, toward crowds, toward a hurried pace of living. This fear of being alone. Sometimes equated with the fear of lacking in value to others. Well, Jesus is our example again. Matthew 15, after a, after a time of teaching, in verse 29 of Matthew 15, it says, Jesus left there and went up on a mountainside and sat down. I can just, I can just hear him sigh, ah, oh, alone, finally. I mean, of course he loved people, but he, he needed alone time because he knew the demands of life were right around the corner. And, and in fact, in this 
passage, this very next verse says, great crowds came, came looking for him. He tried to be alone, which is good. Crowds came and they brought the sick and loving Jesus healed them. But, but he needed, he modeled solitude time. How can finding times of solitude help us grow spiritually? Dallas Willard writes, In times of solitude, we might come to realize that nothing is gained by the hurried way we live. We could even possibly come to understand that for the most part, our hurry is really based upon pride, self-importance, fear, lack of faith, and rarely upon the production of anything of true value for anyone. Wow. He goes on to to make this statement that in times of solitude and silence, he says, we discover that the world survives even though we are inactive for a time. (laughs) We may not like to hear that. It's true. Try it. Solitude. Solitude is simplified in a little verse that you, many of you will know. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. How hard is that for you? And if it's so hard, why? Think about that. I'm not telling you the answer. Talk to God about that. Be still and know that I am God. We can get so fretting and anxious and worked up. Mind's going. And, uh, be still and know that I am God. I'm in control of what you can't control, what I can't control, God says. I love the message paraphrase of that verse. Step out of traffic and take a loving look at me. Isn't that good? When's the last time you stepped out of traffic? The hurried pace of life. I'm not talking about vacation time. It's different. I'm talking about in, in your regular rhythm of life. It's hard. I find it hard. Because time is so valuable. (laughs) But what do we value? What we value will impact how we use our time. So if I see the value in solitude as Jesus modeled, oh, why don't I work this in as a a habit into the rhythm of my life more? Pastor Joel and I were talking about that recently, and it's, it's, it's a challenge. I like Richard Foster's comment where he said, inward solitude will have outward manifestations. There will be the freedom to be alone, not in order to be away from people, but in order to hear better. The Holy Spirit, right? And it doesn't have to be long periods of time. Of course, extended times of solitude are great, but it can even be just an hour or two each month. For for some of you, it might mean getting a babysitter and, and getting in the car and going for a drive out in the country with the radio off, just you and God for an hour. It's worth the cost of, it, of gas for an hour. It really would be. Just an idea. So, now, what do we do with all this by way of application as we close? Please, please don't be overwhelmed by the points in this message, okay? The Holy Spirit could be asking you to take one small step. One small... Take, take one small step. Talk to God right now. About that. What is that? Holy Spirit, what is it? Take one small step, but commit to it. Never underestimate what God can do with one small act of obedience in following Him, right? 
So what's it going to be for you? What's, what's one step you'll commit to today in cultivating a spiritual habit that will move you in the direction of living a one kingdom life under the loving guidance and lordship of Jesus Christ? What's the one step for you today? One step of growth, one step forward. That, that step could be implementing something you heard in this message, or maybe it's, getting, maybe it's getting this book and exploring a little further the spiritual disciplines. And out of that, the Holy Spirit would lead you to what would be your next step or steps. Maybe it's committing to a 15-minute time frame of reading God's Word and prayer. That's, that's half as long as your favorite sitcom. You, you can do that, right? So let the Holy Spirit lead you in this. And I, I, I'm asking you to express your commitment to God before you go to sleep tonight. Can I ask that of you? Whatever it is, talk to God. Ask Him. Sometimes we don't hear because we don't... Yeah, hearing the whisper of the Spirit, we make it sound easy up here. You know me well enough. It's a struggle for me sometimes too. And that, that, is that my thought? Is that the Holy Spirit? And that's a whole other topic of discussion. I'd love to chat with you about that if you want. But ask the Holy Spirit, what's one step out of this message today to draw my heart to you, to draw me closer to you, to order my life in a pattern, in accordance with your goodwill and your word in, in a greater measure? What, what's, what's that one step? To express that, even in writing, start a journal. And the first line in your journal, if you don't have one, is this expression of commitment. Holy Spirit, the one step that I'm taking. And there'll, there'll be others as I grow, sure, but don't worry about that. One small step that the Holy Spirit will make bigger than you can even imagine. I believe that. And you write that expression down as a prayer. So God, I pray in Jesus' name, you would lead us in this. This step that we want to take in response to your word today to make a commitment. As small as it may seem in our minds, that well could be your Holy Spirit. And we're open to your whisper and direction in this. To draw us closer to you in living a one kingdom life. Thank you for leading and guiding us so wisely and lovingly. We thank you. Amen.